New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's another New Vision Podcast cloud with you here. We're going to breathe through Exodus chapter 21. Just really quickly where we are in the story, we just heard the Ten Commandments, some of that yesterday and the day before. Uh, but so far, Israel, they're in the wilderness, you know, near Sinai. They've escaped Egypt. God's brought them out of that. He's rescued them. And now they're in the wilderness and, and they thought they ran out of water. Well, God provided water. They thought they ran out of food. Well, God provided manna that miraculous food from heaven. And then he, give them, he gives them victory over Amalek. And so right now we're in this, really the second half of Exodus. The first half is kind of the story that most people are familiar with. This is really the second half, and it's the content of the law. <laughs> all those, it, it gets kind of repetitive, honestly, but it's all the law that uh, God revealed to Moses. And we've heard the Ten Commandments so far. But now we're in the other laws, the other regulations, and it's all about entering the promised land and the covenant that God is is making with Israel. And really, uh, these details that we're going to get into are, are kind of, um, they're, they're really ap- applications because the, the Ten Commandments are kind of general, and these are going to be really specific. And so we're reading these and we're like, well, that is very strange. And it's true. Some of it sounds pretty strange. Um, but... <laughs> You know, this is when most people tend to drop out of their Bible in a year plan. And so let's dig into it. Let's push into it and see what God has for us. And right from the get-go, we're going to see, oh man, I was not expecting to read something like this. And so we're at Exodus 21, and I'm going to be reading today, verses 1 through 11. This is the ESV. Now, these are the rules you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave... Okay, I got, I got to stop. All right, we just saw slave in the text, and now we're reading it. I, I can't not say anything. So it's like, what is... Th- All right, you just got redeemed out of slavery, and now we're reading about slaves. Okay, so hold on. Let me read through this whole text, and we'll talk about it. So let's, let's just let's take it one at a time. So here we go. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever." When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to foreign people since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. And so immediately, like, I can't, I can't even read that whole text without sensing, man, oh man, why did I pick this text? This is like a quagmire of, especially in today's age. I mean, you can just read this and 
if you posted this on your Facebook or something, you would just get lit up because there's this immediate pushback and our ears are perked up. Even as Christians, it's like, man, what is going on? Why is God so focused on getting an, an Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery so that they can worship him? And now all of a sudden after the 10 commandments, Hey, here's what you should do with your slaves. And it's like, what? Like, so, all right, let's let's dig into this one by one. And I want to say, and this is the first point, we must be super careful about reading our own presuppositions into the Bible. We must be careful about reading our own presuppositions into the text because that's one of the biggest challenges in, in any of the Bible, honestly, but especially in this section because we hear the word slave and we immediately go to our own American you know, antebellum, civil war interpretations of that word and the cruelty that was what we experienced in American history. And there's that's really, really bad. We do not want to diminish that. However, we can't read the definition of our interpretation, our presupposition of American antebellum context of slave, the word slave, and then therefore read it immediately into Exodus 21, because what is going on here is not the same thing. This text and and more to come, uh, if you have unbelievers, uh, you know, difficult family members or something like that, this is going to be one of those texts that you just get lit up over. And so I want you to, uh, to, to take some confidence in that. But then also, again, we, we got to say, we got to be really careful about reading our own presuppositions into the text. And so some really big errors can emerge when we're dealing with this. Number one, when we do that in the past, in the past, especially in the Civil War here in America, some people, unfortunately, even in the church, especially in the Southern churches, uh, have butchered, absolutely butchered texts like this in order to justify slavery as we know it, in order to justify slavery as we know it. And so we typically, obviously the civil war in America, you know, slavery, all that was, was wrong. Okay. You know, emancipation, good. Okay. And it was a cruelty that you had even in preachers and, uh, and, and the South butcher texts like this to, to really justify the slavery and cruelty. But number two, the other difficulty that emerges from this text, and this is probably the one that's more prevalent right now, you know, because slavery's outlawed and, you know, that's not as, as big of a thing as it was, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago. But here's number two. It's like, oh, that Exodus 21, I'm so sorry. That is so Old Testament. I mean, we've had a whole other Testament since then. And I'm sure all of us have heard something similar to that. And it's just like, hey, this doesn't count. You know, we don't have to worry about this. And and so, wow, okay, that's a problem too. So there's two problems that really come, come about when we really read our own presuppositions into Exodus 21. And so I wanted to to kind of pull out some of these things. And, and it sounds like I'm softening it, and but it's really what's true. It's what's in the text. And I tried to read it as I was reading the text, but let's let's pull them out one by one. Number one. It, Israel, the difference is between Israel and this word slave here in Exodus 21 and then what we have in our context. First of all, Israel's servitude was voluntary. 
that's a big deal, at least for the Israelites it was, now prisoners of war uh, later on. You know, that's another story. But Israel, what Moses, God speaking through Moses here is talking about is this voluntary servitude, you know, indentured servitude. And so like, oh, well, why don't you just change the word to servant? Well, let's dig into this a little bit more. It says slave. So, all right, all right. It's voluntary. And then involuntary slavery was forbidden. Later in verse 16, it says, anyone who kidnaps another and sells him or still has him when he is caught must be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps someone it must be put to death. So you can't steal people and have them be slaves. And if anybody in, you know, antebellum South America had read that, then slavery here in America wouldn't even been a problem. So Exodus 21 deals with that. Involuntary slavery, forbidden. Three, uh, slavery in Israel was temporary. There's no lifelong slavery or servitude. And God gave his people this law in verse two. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free. And not only that, we see, we not only are they, you know, this is a very limited time, but the, the master of that slave was to let them go and then also send them off with plenty of supplies to start their life. And, and so really when you deal with what's going on in the text here, this is something that really benefited, that actually worked out for the servant, for the slave, as well as the master, which is not what happened in antebellum pre-Civil War South. So a lot of times, depending on what Bible you have, and I read the ESV, a lot of times you see this in the Bible as servant, but the word is slave. It could really be translated either way. And, and that's what we tend to do uh, in, in church to make this easier. We'll soften up this by saying the word servant. And that's fine. It's totally fine. But this, the concept of slave actually uh, carries over into the New Testament. And so when we said the error sometimes is to throw this, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, that's so Old Testament. Well, actually, sorry, the, the concept of the word slave carries on into the New Testament. In the New Testament, we have this word doulos. It's Greek, doulos. All right. New Testament is written in Greek. Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And so it carries on. Doulos, that means, it literally means slave. And so, all right, what does this concept mean? And that's number two. Instead of, we can change the word and that's fine. But instead of that, what Jesus does, instead of the changing the word, he transforms its meaning. He, instead of changing the word, he transforms its meaning as like a good slavery. And I know our ears are perked up and we're pushing back on that. But on, on the, this, the, that same token, it's pretty amazing who the master who redeemed us and saved us became our slave. Philippians 2.7 talks about this, that Jesus, in the form of deity, humbled himself, becoming the form of doulos, a form of a slave. He, came, he became our servant. That is so countercultural that, that Jesus did that for us and that he's transforming the meaning of this word that we've already seen here in Exodus 21. Mark 10.25, it says, Christ did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Exodus reminds us that Christ was a slave to us, for us, to buy us back uh, to the God who redeemed us. And it's only by his blood that that's possible. Uh, and, and since he became that, then if we're in Christ, we're no longer slaves to our sin. He's redeemed us. But what we are is, do loss, we're slaves 
to Christ, we're slaves to righteousness. It's the good kind. It's the kind in Exodus 21 that says, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. And that piercing of the ear is that marking, that outside symbol that says, hey, I love my master. I want to serve him and be his slave servant forever. And that is what we have in the gospel. And that concept carries on into the New Testament. And so I hope that is challenging to you in a way that's like, wait, that that really pushes the way I tend to read things at the surface level. But then also, this is super practical because when we see, hey, you know what? Christ poured himself out. He became like a slave for us. And now we're in him. That is so practical because being a slave to Christ, the good kind of slavery, is it changes how we live. Romans 6.22, and I'll close with this. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are crucified to your sin. You are dead to your sin. You are no longer a slave to it. What you are now is a slave to Christ and rejoice that we are. And that changes our life. You do not owe your sin anything. You owe Christ everything. Now enjoy him and be in him forever. I hope you all have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's word.